0: Okay, we're back, and you're listening to Aim for the Bushes. I am your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as J-Pav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavy. And with me again, for some reason, is Christian.
1: Hey. Hey.
0: Hey. How's it going today? I'm okay. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. We're rolling, baby. We're rolling. Yeah. And with me, as always, or almost always now, is Maggie the Mags, who is back with us again. And we're happy to have her. Definitely You're doing good, Meg. I'm doing great. She says she's doing great one of these days we'll get her on here. We'll record her voice, but no she's not today, not today <laughs> before we get into today's topic uh as always, our reminder that uh you can disagree with our opinions that we espouse here on aim for the bushes uh We're not saying that w- the views that we hold are the correct views, necessarily. Or that you can't disagree with them. You can disagree with them if you'd like, but don't. No, I'm just kidding. You can if you want. And uh, yeah, so like I said, we're here with Christian and we're going to talk about acting. Yeah. Today. All right. So Christian does acting.
1: I, I do do acting.
0: He has studied in acting. I have. You could say he is an actor. Yep. You could. I've done some acting.
1: Yes, you have. We've done some acting We've together. Done. Yeah,
0: Exactly. We've done acting together on yeah. different projects. Yeah. More theatrical um, projects and non-theatrical. Yeah. Filmic, televisual. Televisual. Some type of digital media. Yeah. All right. And, um, yeah, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that. So our focus is on... Kind of like acting modes, acting methods, acting styles. Acting styles. However yeah. you want to describe it. Yeah. And kind of like, you know, just kind of like figuring out what's the deal with acting. kind But of
1: definitely thing. seen through the prism yes. of the one, the only yes. Nicolas Cage.
0: Exactly. So that's going to be like our main motif yeah. is his style. Because if you're not familiar with Nicolas Cage's work, uh you're missing out. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, the basis for this uh, topic other than just acting I think is something interesting in general in terms of someone who enjoys watching people's performances yeah whether it's I'm uh, watching it live on stage mm-hmm. an actual like theatrical production or watching TV or watching film, it's something that I think it probably affects everyone like even through consuming right you're taking in performances all yep. the time yep you know so it's something that forms our opinions of because th- people you know, from media, ba- make generalizations, make a basis of certain opinions that they hold can come from a piece of work that they've seen, right, or listen to if it's radio, yeah, right, yeah. or if it's something they've seen like live in actual like live theater, uh, absolutely. Right? No, and so. we've
1: all been. I hope that everyone listening has been moved yeah. by a performance, by yeah. a specific performance that either made you think about yourself or. You know, or about the world differently. Yeah.
0: yeah, it could be the world. It could have made you laugh. Yeah, right. That's it doesn't right. have to be always like deep and profound. It can be something. No, but like being I, being moved.
1: Yeah, you know, feeling some. So yeah, feeling some like way something, about something. Whether it's
0: joy, happiness, sadness. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, laughter, anger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know complex range of emotions being
1: sexually turned on
0: that too there's a performances for that definitely
1: listening to pablo's voice for example on a weekly basis dangerous yeah
0: i I forgot i gotta put a warning
1: label you should (laughs) yeah this is your voice is hazardous material uh, yeah
0: on the on the cover art i got a warning you know yeah yeah yeah. um but yeah so we're we're framing this like through uh, partially through like nicholas cage's performance because he's uh, a big movie star. He's one of like the biggest, I would say that does like a whole different range of performances, mm-hmm. right? You have you could have other actors like character actors who, yep. do, but they're like small, right?
1: No, I th- I th- I think like, uh, you're
0: like doing like bit parts.
1: Yeah, I think a good way to describe Nicolas Cage is he's somewhere in between a Hollywood leading man and a, an experimental character actor. Yeah, like so. There's, you don't find that intersection too
0: often. Too often, right? Usually, like if you're playing wacky characters, you're a character actor, so you'll appear in a lot of things. People will recognize you. Yeah, but you'll be typecast. You'll be typecast. You won't necessarily. People won't necessarily know who you are in no. terms of like your name or your career, but they may recognize
1: you visually. That's right. They'll be go. They'll go. Oh, you're the guy that was in that thing. Yeah,
0: I have a book that a friend of mine got me like a long time ago. That's basically made up of character actors. The title is like. What is it? Something like, "Oh, you're that guy from that film." It's okay. Something along those yeah. lines, and it basically lists like every major like character actor for yeah. probably like the last fifty years of like film and like television and stuff like that. So you know you can definitely have that as your thing, right? But there's not too many leading type people, a listers, big mo- who can lead a big budget Hollywood yeah, film.
1: That's right. Whose names you know are on the marquee, so to speak.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Right. So Nicolas Cage is like one. I'm sure maybe a couple of others, but at least one I don't think as prolific
1: or or perhaps as interesting as Nicolas Cage yeah. is. Yeah.
0: Because outside of film, he's an interesting. Yeah. Person. He's, he's, he's always so he just, eccentric.
1: He just, that's right. Eccentric. He's he's wonderfully eccentric, and his eccentricities motivate him to make a lot of interesting just. Dis- choices
0: yeah for sure so part of this came from a video that i had seen on wisecrack in the show's notes i'll link to it so you can watch it they do an analysis of his acting mm-hmm. and they go over briefly like kind of like acting in general kind of like the history from uh, in terms of like transitioning from like live theater and vaudeville to like silent era to sound film and then kind of like uh to like modern day and they talk about uh the method From Stanislavski. Yep. Right. That kind of brings you into different modes of acting because I've read different things and you can correct me here if I'm wrong since you are a more trained actor than I am. I've done a couple of courses like at Concordia and stuff like that. But Krishna studied. More <laughs> extensively in acting, <laughs> so he's the authority I will defer to. If you happen to know, I
1: don't know. Oh, you make me sound like such a dick. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> he's very he's, pretentious. He's studied. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't do it for. He, he doesn't just do it for a living. He's studied it. If you know, wink, wink. He's nudge, not nudge.
0: a fan of acting. He has studied yeah. in the fine art of uh, acting. But there's different schools, I guess, that have developed from Stanislavski's. Uh, methods or techniques that he had come up with. One of them is like method, which is like all internal.
1: Yeah. You're trying, essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to achieve, you're trying to match up your own internal struggles and experiences with your characters. So you're trying to work hard. You're trying to mine your own personal experiences to get to some kind of emotional truth that will invigorate or transcend your performance.
0: Yeah. So it comes from an internal conflict inside you. So it's kind of like linking up, uh, if my understanding is correct, linking up to like some event that relates to what your character is doing as a method of, like you said, getting a true reaction or a true statement.
1: Yeah. You're trying to look for emotional truth, that kind of deep powerful, uh, a performance that resonates because at its core is something true.
0: Mm-hmm. So that gets more stereotyped, I think, of general people's understanding of method acting as just basically never breaking character.
1: Never breaking character or living like your character, living right? Like because your, there yeah. are there are examples of people who completely immerse themselves mm-hmm. into the life and the world mm-hmm. of their character, which of course becomes kind of really difficult when your character or the person that you're playing existed 200 years ago. Yeah. You know, so Daniel Day-Lewis is an actor that's very famous for e- pre- preparing that way where if he's preparing for a role that took place in the 18th century, then he's going to live in a place without electricity or central heating or running water. And he'll, and he'll stay in that. He'll stay in that Like zone. he'll want you
0: to address him. That's right. As yeah. the character yeah. in between takes. He doesn't change he doesn't drop the front. That's right. Right? He stays in that thing. But that's not necess- you don't have to do that to be method. No. Right. But uh, people think that though when you think of method. There is a
1: yes, there's a misconception yeah. of of what it is. That the the problem the problem is is that the the the, the method, method acting ha- has a whole bunch of there's a lot of cross-pollination here. There's a lot of influences especially on American mm-hmm. method acting. So Stanislavski was a Russian mm-hmm. actor turned sort of, th- you know, s- turned mentor, turned acting teacher, yeah. um, ath- acting Methodist, I guess would be one way to say it. And then his teachings, his book, uh, his writings became crossover from Europe, from Russia to the States, where they became really, really popular with american actors mm. and informed a huge generation of american actors so mm. some of the more famous proponents of the method would have been people like marlon brando yeah. robert de niro earlier yeah. on in his career yeah. al pacino earlier on in his career um so all of i mean if you, a lot of like uh, or uh, dustin hoffman for example i think is is one of those people um but that idea that those iconic American actors um, that sort of defined a generation, Mm -hmm. a lot of them were sort of, were in that camp. Um, Of course, that kind of commitment, that kind of work is exceedingly hard to maintain as you get older, right? Because you just can't, uh, you know, there's there's a sort of uh, widely cited, or referred to uh, anecdote about Dustin Hoffman when he was working on um, um, Marathon Man mm-hmm. with Florence Olivier and his character in this scene is on the run from a Nazi basically for the whole movie. And of course this character while he's running, while he's fleeing for his life is not sleeping, is not eating properly and all those kinds of things. And so to get into the mind of his character to sort of understand wh- what that character was going through, Dustin Hoffman had chose not to sleep. Mm. So to sort of, you know, really, really stay up all the time. And uh, and that's exceedingly hard on the body. It's exceedingly hard on the mind. And then famously, allegedly, he wound up on set and was just completely exhausted and grumpy and really not having a good time of it. And Laurence Olivier, who is a British actor, mm. and the Brits have a very different ethos when it comes to acting and it, it British actors and British schools conservatory training is not as influenced by the method or by other Europeans sort or of schools um, they found their it's very different They they were inspired by other kinds of acting techniques and other kinds of acting traditions I would say but any anywho, so he shows up Dustin Hoffman's on the set he's exhausted he's grumpy he's tired and when Sir Lawrence Olivier asks him, you know, what's wrong, Dustin Hoffman says, well, you know, I haven't slept in a couple of days because my character hasn't slept and I really want to be in character as much as possible. And Lawrence Olivier looks at him and says, well, why don't you try acting? <laughs> right. Which is a kind of famous anecdote. A lot of yeah. people have heard it. Um, I'm sure there's there's an element of truth to it. There's an element of exaggeration to it or that's not quite you yeah. know what actually happened. But. It sort of illustrates that kind of point and that kind of it's it's difficult when you're seventy years old or eighty years old or in you know Robert De Niro's case, seventy years old, to maintain yeah. that kind of a preparation for a role because it's so physically it's demanding taxing, and yeah. taxing. Right. And it's not just this isn't you're not doing all that work for preparation because you also have to maintain it throughout the entirety of production. And for anybody who hasn't been on a film set the majority of your time on He's a film waiting. set when you're an actor is you're waiting. Waiting, waiting, so much waiting. All the time. So you you will be you will work for six minutes or twelve minutes, and it'll be the most intense twelve minutes of your life. Especially back in the days where you were shooting film, because basically the second that they start rolling, money is literally passing, you know, is literally worrying. Uh, on a motor and so you know because film has an actual cost and it's finite and so you can't take a thousand takes to get this right you have to be on the money you have to hit your mark you have to do all of your choreography properly and you have to give the best possible scene that you can so that's an intense where you moment where you have to be 100 percent present and then it stops, and then they have to do another setup, you know, for different coverage. And you're doing and so you, you know, and yeah. then you're gonna wait half an hour, you're they gonna wait adjust an hour. Lights. They gotta adjust the camera. That's right. So there are all kinds yeah. of adjustments that need to be made, and then that's when it just stops. And so you can be on set for 14 hours, 16 hours. You may be in total, cum- commute like in terms of like commutatively or uh, fuck, I however you pronounce that word, Cumulative. C- cumulatively, yeah. um, you'll only work like an hour or two yeah. when it's all added up, but you're on set during that whole time, and you have to maintain that same if you're following that kind of intense method, you have to maintain that same commitment during those 16 hours, and that is so difficult. And it really requires a young, hungry, and, you know, physically capable person.
0: Yeah, there's that in terms of, like, your mental state, however you're trying to keep it. But then there's also, like, when you're on set from people who do subscribe to this type of acting of always being in character or having things, like, really happen kind of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, people, like, sometimes people get hit or something. Right. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they... They want you to hit them, right? But yeah. sometimes you'll do like 10 takes, Yeah, right? <laughs> so you're getting hit and hit and yeah. hit. And you're just kind of like, can I stop hitting you, please? That's right. <laughs> you know? So there's that kind of level of intensity. So that's kind of like one method or one way or one approach yeah. to acting to, again, the idea for the actor is to like come to an emotional truth mm-hmm. in terms of what's true to the character, in terms of the story and the scene and all that stuff. Yeah. Another method, because I think there's, like, three main schools that kind of, from what I was reading, uh, three main, like, approaches that uh, different, like, acting schools in the States had taken in terms of, like, how they interpreted right. yeah, Stanislavski's yeah. work. Yeah. I don't remember the third one, but the other one that I'm thinking of is kind of, like, more in line with the acting training that I've done, okay. which is external. Yep. So it's kind of like you're reacting to the truthfulness of a, of the moment. So it's kind of like based on like your impulse. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that you're like present
1: mm-hmm.
0: in terms of like uh, whatever your natural impulse is that you've developed for your character in relation to what the other, or well, it could be with yourself if you're the only person on, on stage or whatever. But basically, it's like you're reacting to an external thing in, in order to come at a moment of truth based on like your impulse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like another approach but both these approaches kind of take a more realistic or can in terms of film take like a more realistic approach in terms of yeah, like naturalistic. performance naturalistic yeah well yeah naturalism falls into realism how people yep. would like interpret it yeah, yeah. as like seeing themselves like on screen that was one of the things that were brought up in the video that we watched thinking like why this way of acting or this way of portraying characters resonates so readily with so many people is that perhaps it's because we can more easily see ourselves because i think a lot of people project themselves i mean I guess the more psychology maybe of how people react to films and stuff like that but you could argue that people see themselves through the characters uh when they're watching things like Mm -hmm. on screen and so that could be uh like i said a justification as to why this method or this approach to acting the naturalistic approach is seen as, like, ideal, pretty much. Because uh, one of the notes in the video that we had watched was that people who win Oscars, not all the time, but frequently people win Oscars, if you cons- if you consider that a rank worthy of value of some kind, is usually for, like, period piece portrayals of, like, actual
1: people or actual events, yeah, kind of okay, Yeah, kind yeah. of
0: thing, right? That seems to resonate, at least in terms of, like, awards... Right, yeah, those films tend to get a lot of recognition or get classified as Oscar bait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More so than something that's more fantastical, whether that's comedy, that's something more surreal, whether it's science fiction.
1: Well, I think, I think maybe there's an element to that in the sense of it's um, it's a clear to see the the representation in the art mm-hmm. in the sense that you can recognize skill mm-hmm. when you can compare it to something that actually exists. Mm, fair. Right? Because you can see how close they got to the mark and you can see how deep they got into the process. And, you know, this is a, you know, if this actor is a middle class American guy who both of his parents were sort of like educated and he's playing a one footed. Um, dyslexic priest, Mm. you know, who was raised dirt poor in, you know, the early 1920s, just after the First World War. So you're going, wow, here's this really like, you know, here's this guy who's so contemporary, but who's, there's this sheer power of this craft and skill can represent accurately represent the toils of this character that's so far removed from him. Whereas it's a little bit harder to make those kinds of value assessments mm-hmm. when it's something that's so far removed from reality, mm-hmm. where you're going, basically, this this it's just pure imagination, and it's also your own response to it is going to be subjective because you don't have that immediate comparison point that's not to say that uh, performances that are method or even that the method actors th- that isn't to say that that you won't watch a performance a daniel day lewis performance and go wow this guy's really over the top mm. i think there are there are moments in his career where he was over the top
0: oh yeah you know yeah method doesn't necessarily mean like good no no Or, or you can be over the top
1: yeah or that it's always going to be somehow understated yeah. and microscopic, yeah. you know, um, that there is there is certainly an element of theatricality sometimes with Method. I mean, if you watch There Will Be Blood, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as a character is chewing the scenery in some of those scenes. Mm. Like, he's really playing someone that's almost, almost larger than life, right? Where there's, they're skirting the lines there between, like, okay, this guy's a little intense. Like, I don't think human beings... Behave this way, even mm. or you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes a little too much there. That's right. Sometimes it gets. I mean, what I will say though is, um, I've working working on set is such uh, making movies such a collaborative process. Definitely, it's so labor intensive. Um, the stakes are high. The time is short. And when you're dealing with an actor who is so wrapped up in his own personal process that everyone on set has to manage that on top of their own responsibilities, mm-hmm. I think that's my point of contention with any process or acting method that requires you to stop behaving like a professional. Mm there's an element of that which is i find to be unprofessional yeah and what people say and i think rightly so is that the performance the end result is the only thing that matters and i think for producers of movies for audiences of movies that's perhaps true Mm -hmm. we're going you know from the producer's point of view it's this performance going to sell my movie it's going to put money in my pocket and for perform for audiences it's i'm going to see this great performance that's my draw—that's why I'm going to get out of this. But for everybody on set, like you know, Daniel Day Lewis playing in in my left foot, where he had to be dragged around yeah. on set from set to set, and because he couldn't walk, but he can walk. He it's can just walk. His was just a choice that he made, and but he just won't break character ever, and so you have to refer to him by his character's name always, and he will always respond to you as his character. And you, it's your. not only is it your job to, like, make this movie work, but you also have to drag this actor's ass everywhere. There's an element of that that, for me, is unprofessional and that sometimes does cross a limit. I think that a lot of y- young actors um, who sort of dive deep into this kind of genre and they just want to push the limits as far as possible because they're young and they're able and they feel like they're invincible the greatest like current the uh, example of that is someone like Jared Leto who like on more than one occasion has pushed the limits so far where I'm like if this fucking guy yeah. behaved that way in any other job he'd be fired yeah. right where it's just like nothing about this is appropriate nothing yeah. and i don't give a shit if you've if how many Academy Awards you have under your belt. But if you send, if I'm an actor and I'm working with you and you send me used condoms in the mail because that's what your character would do, I would I would be like we're gonna have to have a conversation because if you do this again I'm gonna beat the living shit out of you like yeah. this is just fucked up yeah right or I'm gonna report you because this is weird yeah no this, this is definitely not and this is a health and safety thing like, you know like <laughs> I don't a little want little gross I don't want I don't want your bodily fluids anywhere near me like that's that's not that's not our working relationship you no, know for
0: sure and speaking of Jared Leto and the Joker I was reading that uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, for the Joker film yeah, that's uh, coming out, I think, in a couple of weeks or whatever. Isn't it so, already out? I, don't, I thought it was October. Maybe it was this weekend. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it's already out. But coming yeah. out shortly or is already out. Yeah. It'll probably be out by the time this airs. But anyways, not same levels as Jared Leto, but same kind of thing where he had to be like managed. Yes. Basically, because of his intense process yes. of like playing the Joker or whatever. You know?
1: And, and I love how I love how in any other circumstance, because you know, like I was saying before, you know, the the most people just go, well, it doesn't matter. It's the end result that matters. Yeah. What you're saying there is the ends justify the means. Yes. And if you were to say that in any other context,
0: all depends for some people, not for. But I understand what you're saying. Go no, on. No,
1: no. But if you were to say that in like in any office job, or if you were to say that as a school teacher, yeah. where you're just like it doesn't matter, the ends justify the means, you'd be crucified. Potentially. well some people do think the ends
0: justify the means some people only care about oh, the end result i know but i think, i know we're getting a little philosophical
1: yeah no 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 but i mean but, i think in a in a work culture yeah. like those are the well, kinds, no, it's not those not acceptable those are, yeah exactly yeah. it's not acceptable
0: cuz like yeah in terms of like deontology which is immanuel kant's thing since we're getting a little philosophical there he was, argues that the ends never justify the means right right
1: but i'm not talking about from a philosophical point of I view i know
0: but i'm just bring it up because that's what it comes to mind yeah in terms of that you just like,
1: wanted to, to <laughs> casually drop name drop yeah
0: oh yeah i'm getting all the street cred by uh name dropping cons yeah um, <laughs> but no that idea that like yeah as long as i get the end results yeah doesn't matter the process that we took whereas like no that's not
1: no and and the other thing is okay. there's there's something precious about it there's something no but he's an artist and you have to respect his artist process. That's when like, you kind of get to like care then against then like, and
0: pretentiousness exactly. and stuff like that. I'm going
1: to be like, yo, there are, uh, there are actors out there who give wonderful yeah. you don't need performances yeah. and who get to be, like who are good people to work with yeah. and that aren't total fucksticks. sticks. Yeah. Like the two aren't mutually exclusive. I don't have, to, just because you're really high maintenance doesn't mean that I have to put up with that shit. No, definitely. You know, and like I think every most professional actors who have ever been on a set or part of like a you know been of any professional production, whether it be on the stage or or on screen, is your entire experience is ruined basically because it all serves to, to 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 sort of compensate or manage one performer. And it's rare that in a movie you'll be able to have two performers that do will that. have uh, do, be, do all that I'll, stuff. They'll shut everything down. <laughs> exactly, right? And to me, that's not, that's not okay because the, the uh, acting, the fundamental tenet about acting is generosity. Mm. And I don't believe you're being generous when you're that self-involved. When yeah, you're that caught up in your own, that's right.
0: Your fellow actors, or respecting all the crew people, exactly. Because there's, there's tons of people on a film set, right? Yeah, that's right. There's all like the people in the cinematography, like pulling the camera, pulling the focus, pulling the dolly. Yep. You know, setting up the shots. There's all the lighting. There's people doing makeup. There's people doing costumes. If you're, you know, like a big budget film, yeah. Set people. There's people, uh, watching for continuity. Yep. You know, uh, so many people like. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's and then a lot all of the moving grips, parts. Yeah. yeah. So like a lot of and grips are people who like carry things and move things around and all And that. set up lights. Yeah. You know, or people might have to build stuff quickly. You know, it was yeah. like a lot, a lot of stuff. So you can't just take up everything, because because it's not only your performance. It's not that what makes your performance work is everyone else doing stuff around you that as an audience member you don't see because you just see whatever's in the camera's frame. Exactly. Right? Everything else is shielded from you as an audience member. So there's a lot of other things to consider beyond just the performer. Absolutely. The performer is when it gets all the credit, right? Because that's whose name we see on the poster or on the marquee. We don't see like the lighting person or whatever, but they all have to work together to make it work. And so with that, so that's one kind of approach mm-hmm. to acting, which is the predominant, not necessarily being method or always in character, but just getting that type of like performance in terms of like naturalism, realism. Yeah, where it feels real. Yeah, where it, it feels, feels real. It feels
1: like the person that I'm watching right now could step right off of the screen and I could have and a conversation with it. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Uh, regardless of the context. And that's what brings us to Nicolas Cage, where like, I know, I know you probably thought you forgot about that or you thought we forgot about that. Wasn't when we were talking about Nicolas Cage, yeah. but uh, that's that's what makes him so interesting is because he is someone that like actively pushes against that type of performance. Sometimes, sometimes. No, I'm not not always, but he does. Oh though, yeah, right. Because he is someone that will take a variety of different roles in terms of like who the character is, and then for most of his roles, he comes up with like voices that he's gonna do or speak a certain way. Uh, you know, his movements he does like yeah, his physicality. His, his physicality, gen- sorry, yeah. yeah. You know. And those things kind of push away from naturalism, not always, but on a lot of the times. Yeah. All, that's, all the memorable times. Yeah, yeah, all the memorable that's why people are like hot and cold in Nicolas Cage. Absolutely. Because some of his more exaggerated performances people don't like as much. Or they may say it's bad or it was a bad performance. I mean that's something that's completely subjective. You could think you could watch something that's more exaggerated or more performative or more stylistic and think that that was really good. But then you could watch them in something that's more laid back, more naturalistic, and think that's bad. So one style isn't necessarily better than it's not a ranking or anything like that, but it is different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've got, can I explain yeah. my own thoughts yeah, go on for that? It. Go for it. Okay. Um, what's what What makes me hot and cold about Nicolas Cage is that there were there are performances there are roles that he has done that I found him sublime Mm. in that I thought were incredibly insightful or endearing or very moving I think I was I've been moved by and I have also been um completely enraptured by Nicolas Cage in a, in a genuine way, mm. not just a like oh my god, look at this, um, look at this dumpster fire, right? right? Um, and so you know uh, uh, examples of that. Um, Moonstruck, Moonstruck. That was that's one of the first movies I saw him in, and it's one of his, it's such a strong performance. Um, Raising Arizona, Leaving Las Vegas, and and uh, adaptation, yeah. or even more recent movies like uh, Joe. He was, in, he was in a movie, Joe, which is um, not super well-known. was an independent production. And um, he was definitely going for more of a naturalistic spin there. And it sort of worked. He really, really made it work, in my opinion. Um, and then he's done performances which are so over-the-top that I've, I find are joyous mm. in in terms of their extravagance. And then some that are so over-the-top that... For me, go into the territory of, um, almost like masturbatory, mm-hmm. in terms of this is all about this, like the Nick Cage show. Okay, so you and think it's too should, far in the other direction? Well, he's just no, or it's just I didn't. There's so there's I don't. There are non-naturalistic performances oh. that serve a greater purpose. Yeah. No Wes Anderson film is naturalistic. Yeah, they're all going to be all very highly stylized and a little strange. Yeah, and all of those performances, over the top or subdued, all serve the movie. Whereas when Nicolas Cage uh, misses the mark for me is when he serves himself. I see where, and then you'll hear him talk about it, and you go, "Yeah, my motivation was I just wanted to open my eyes really wide." (laughs) And stare at, I wanted to see how wide I can make them. Yeah. That's Nicolas Cage wanting to please Nicolas Cage. I'm not interested in that. Okay, I didn't pay, in this case, like, you know, nowadays, 15 bucks yeah. to go see a millionaire yeah. uh, try to prove something to himself. Yeah. That's not interesting to me. That's more like, okay, good for Nicolas Cage. Like, he gets to do this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Whereas there are some times where he's clearly being directed yeah. to perform in a certain way. And like uh, I think a lot of people will 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 um, cite the Warner Herzog movie um, uh, Bad Lieutenant, okay, Port of Call New Orleans. Um, I think that's roughly what the title is. Anyway, that's a Warner Herzog movie, and he was in that. And a lot of people love that movie. A lot of people love his performance in that, even though it's super over the top. And that's because there's an element there that rings true. Because I'm not seeing Nicolas Cage just be weird because he's Nicolas Cage. Because he wants to. Because he wants to be. Yeah. And there's an element of that in what he does where he's pushing the boundaries on purpose but without a greater uh, uh, reason or without uh, any kind of motivating factor. And that is what I think people, and it certainly is true for me, respond to negatively or turn them hot cold. Because I don't think... I don't... I certainly won't say that all of Nicolas Cage's more subdued, pared-down performances are bad, and all of his more over-the-top performances are bad or good or vice versa. Some are really good. Some are really bad. Why is that? The best answer I've managed to come up with is that sometimes he's jerking his dick, his acting dick, in front of a camera, and I have to put up with it while other people on the movie are just trying to put in an honest day's work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because not everybody else gets to have as much fun as he does. They're all there at his expense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you watch those movies where you're just like, what the fuck is happening right now, dude? Like, why are you doing this? And everyone else in the scene is just trying to do their job. Yeah. And they're not allowed to push their own boundaries or to make strong choices in their characters because Nicolas Cage is hogging the spotlight. Is that something that, you determine
0: from watching his performance? So it's like an assumption or is it based on like commentary or interviews where he says specifically, I was just doing this to see if I could do this?
1: I mean, yeah, you, I'm sure thing. I'm. it's a bit of both, to be honest. Uh, I think that y- if you can call it an assumption, but when you watch a movie oh. and you see that he's hamming it up and uh, you know, you don't know this, but then you watch the special features and then you realize that there's no underlying, <laughs> you know, there's no method. There, It was just, he was just like, I wanted to see if I could really, you know, really like, I wanted to see how many hairs I could pull out of my head because I know that the, you know, or like something yeah. weird like that. <laughs> um, and then you watch the other scene and that everybody in that scene is kind of, they're pushed in a corner as an actor. And the reason why I can recognize that yeah. is that I'm been in those kinds of situations where you're dealing with either in my case maybe just someone who's trying to steal the scene yeah. and so you're forced to take a step back. I know what that feels like, I know what that looks like, you know because whenever you're in the business, you've seen behind the curtain yeah. you see how the sausage is made, so you're a little bit more attentive to those kinds of details, so I wouldn't necessarily call it an a, a a straight up assumption, maybe just like an educated guess maybe yeah.
0: that's what I mean by like assumption yeah
1: like... because you know i don't think I don't think any actor. I've never read or heard about an actor say those kinds of things, but I think it's fair to say that when you're part of a collaborative creative process, which mm. is making a movie and acting in a movie, and one actor is making decisions squarely for himself, that happens at the detriment of everyone else there
0: no definitely
1: and so that that makes me feel cold, especially when I know that he can make beautifully generous performances. Mm that elevate not only the movie, but elevate every other actor around them, mm. right? There are some actors that are so good, but they it doesn't become their show. And they make everyone else 10 times better because they're working hard to elevate the material and to just give so much that the people around them, the working actors around them, can't help but feel that get get sort of pulled along by that riptide i admire that more mm-hmm. um so that's i guess that's my two cents on on the sort of like the nicholas cage debacle i don't i don't agree that he's a bad actor um i don't agree that he's um uh that he's one note or that he's just so eccentric for eccentric's sake i think you know he does make artistic choices uh but I think it was pointed out in that video, which I really like, is he's also really bad with money, and so that oh. motivates a lot of the yeah. choices that he makes. Um,
0: yeah, read up definitely into like things that Nicolas Cage have bought and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, it's crazy, it's, it's insane, super crazy.
1: <laughs> but what do you think, Pablo?
0: I mean, I haven't seen too many Nicolas Cage films. I've seen like a couple here and there. Like I've seen uh, The Rock, uh, Con Air. Yeah, Con Air. So good uh, What is it Face Off <laughs> Face Off yeah. kills me Because it's just Such a ridiculous
1: And so entertaining Premise <laughs> It is very entertaining ev- ev- it's just... Everything about it Is ridiculous And you it's know. directed By John Woo So yeah. everything is Turned up to 11 Of course
0: So like In a crazy film Like that Like Face Off Like I think Nicholas Cage's ex- Eccentricities Like work Oh yeah For what he brings Like to that role Because it's just So ridiculous that like
1: imagine if Christian Bale. No, because he would take it too too, serious. Too, too too seriously. And then you're like, you yo, know? yo bro, they took a s- John Travolta's face. <laughs> yeah, put it on your <laughs> and face. And they put it on your face. Like <laughs> you know? this isn't you're not this isn't like this isn't a doll's house, bro. Like you're not you're not trying to make yeah. you're not this isn't atonement, okay?
0: Yeah, like you wouldn't I don't think you he, he would be able to take it like to that level to make that film work in that way. But what I like about Nicolas Cage from the few movies I have seen with him and then from the video that we watched is, is the idea of exploration in terms of like perform, bringing in different methods from like, and when I say methods, I just mean different acting styles. Yeah, but he doesn't have a
1: method. You
0: know, so when, uh, yeah, that's I mean by method, like I don't necessarily yeah. mean like it's a step by step thing. I no, just yeah. mean like an approach, yeah, a different right. viewpoint. Yeah, absolutely. To it, right? So one of the things they mentioned, a the thing is like Japanese kabuki, which is like a whole different style of acting. Yeah. Right. That's not necessarily, I, I don't know too much about kabuki, but it's not necessarily meant to be like. Naturalistic. Naturalistic or whatever, right? It's very highly performative, very highly stylized, stylized. right? So that brings a different element. To the role, and I like seeing different interpretations. It's like when you're talking about remakes and stuff like that, right? It's a different interpretation. You don't want to always just see the same thing. Not that you can't get good performances from people mm-hmm. who do, uh, you know, a naturalistic approach to something. And that's like totally fine. But I do like that he's out there trying different things, not whether or not he goes too far in one sense and does it just because, oh, I'm Nicholas Cage and I don't want to do this weird thing or whether it's actually something more serviceable to like the story or the character or something, right? But I just like that those boundaries are like being pushed Mm -hmm. because one of the other things is in other art forms that the video brought up is that we're more accepting of different styles or different approaches to certain works. So like for painting, you have different artistic movements, you know, you have like romantic period you do have like modernism and postmodernism people don't like necessarily as much it kind of goes back to the idea that like okay you know we like things that look like things C- could i could i rephrase yes, this for yes. you yes go ahead go ahead
1: okay so do you think that has more to do with a kind of north american film authority mm-hmm. or more about general audiences Probably like film authority, you mean? Because, like, like, so you mentioned the Oscars earlier. Yeah. And I think, okay, that's interesting because you're right. There are parameters that, to, in, in films, to which the Oscar committee, yep. uh, the academy, yep. um, attributes value. Yeah. But I look at the works of Tim Burton, yep. who are like monster box office hits. Or Wes Anderson, who's made a career, or Nicholas Winding Refn, or Lars von Trier, or Jim Jarmusch, mm-hmm. or um, I, I mean, I think I think those are all less mainstream. So I would definitely say that you know a director like um, uh, Tim Burton, who's m- most certainly mainstream in terms of the works that he definitely does, know, yeah. and he appeals to millions of people, has made billions of dollars, yep. and but I mean, there is, like, that is accepted, and that is a genre, mm-hmm. and that is highly popular. Yep. Um, and we're A-OK with all kinds of, with him taking on all kinds of different stories, right? Yeah. Was, like, adapting Batman, adapting Alice in Wonderland, uh, adapting, um, oh, what was it, what was it that he did? Dark Shadows, for example. Um we're very happy with, like, you know, Alice in Wonderland made a ton of bank. Yeah. The first one was a monster hit. And so I wonder to what extent we're, like, what we're actually talking about is mm-hmm. this sort of, like, film authority mm-hmm. that sort of dictates yep. what is a good performance versus what actually resonates with people who go see movies.
0: I It's... I would probably say it's, like, a mix between those two things because mm-hmm. I think sometimes, like, one informs the other. So so sometimes, yeah, you'll have popular films that was, like, you know, a lot of people want to go see that. will hit big, like, in terms of winning awards, something like Titanic, right, which was, like, a huge film. Uh, I remember it had, like, a long run. Mm-hmm. Millions of people would see it generate. I think it's one of the highest box office yep. grosses, uh, not adjusted for inflation. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then one big at the Academy Awards, right? It tied yeah. for the most with like eleven or whatever. So sometimes that crosses over, but something that's accepted by like the general population doesn't necessarily cross over to what people are gonna think is Oscar worthy, which I don't put much stock into. Me neither. just because there's so many different kinds of performances or work that can be done on film that I don't know how you can really compare mm-hmm. two different styles. Just on acting, let's say, for example. Uh,
1: No, how do you judge art? Oh, how do you judge art? I mean, it's completely subjective. Completely subjective. You can't
0: really. No,
1: it's a total lottery, or in the case of the Oscars, it's purely political.
0: Yeah, there's other factors that kind of like go on to it. That's why I don't really. No, no, we're not going to talk about that. No, we're not talking about that now, but I'm just saying I don't uh, put much stock into it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's interesting to see what does win. at the box off um, at the Oscars mm-hmm. compared to what hits big on, the, but by people in terms of like either box office returns or like doing well home video. or who's doing well later, right? Sometimes films come out. That's right, and they're they not have, accepted at the time. No,
1: but they accrue a following yeah, over time.
0: Over time, and then people realize, oh, the way this is actually like good, or we yeah. really like this style, this approach to whatever the film was, whether yeah. it's the lighting or whether it's the acting, you know, the setting, whatever it was. One of the things, uh, in terms of like ascribing value to 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 like acting and performance, f- from like a, like I said, an award versus kind of like general reception from from people just in the general public, is kind of like when you look at people who do like comedies or something, right? Comedic performances are, I would say, something that's very difficult to do well. Yes Right? Anyone thinks like, "Oh, I can just be any jackass in front of a camera and all it'll be funny."
1: Absolutely not. And it's
0: like, "No, no, you need real skill, you oh. know, to have timing no, and, and it's, reaction."
1: Oh, and and it You know, and setup. You can watch bad drama yeah. and then be like, "Yeah, okay, that was bad, but it was watchable." Bad comedy is it's excruciating. You can't. It's excruciating. It's unwatchable, right? So, something like that. So, to be a comedic
0: performer, but I would say like both culturally and in terms of like awards, like so the general public and people who are like film authorities. I would say like yes, you may have a comedy that performs well, people go see it, but it's never going to get that type of recognition from like a film authority, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And then you do have actors who like do dramatic turns in order to be considered a serious actor. Mm-hmm. Like, I know someone like Jim Carrey, I remember for a long time, yeah. wanted he stopped doing comedy films because you wanted to be recognized. You want to have the gravitas of being like an actor, right? And like quotations there to be taken seriously by saying, like, yeah, I'm not just some person who does funny well, faces. Yes. I'm, I'm or not whatever. a one trick pony. Yeah, but I have like range, I have skill. Mm hmm. You know, because you can be a dramatic actor and be a one-trick pony.
1: A hundred percent.
0: So, because there's a view. No, I'm <laughs> absolutely. not. absolutely Right? Because oh, no, I'm, I'm
1: completely right? in agreement with you. Because there's
0: there's a view that, like, oh, if I perform well. Like, some people just get by on doing, like, the same thing over. But one thing over and over again. And it's good. Like, you can't yeah. really say it's bad, but no. it's the same thing. And yeah. you can just coast on that, and it's fine. Yeah. You can do the same thing in comedy, but I say comedy wears thin, though. Oh, definitely. Because you've seen it. You've laughed at that joke you before. Laugh. Yeah. Whereas drama, you can get a – like, something makes you sad, like, maybe it'll make you sad. Depending yeah. on how, what it is, it can make you sad every single time you see it. But, you know, you'll you, at most you'll be like, eh, okay. Okay, I'll accept that. Yeah, whatever. You know. yeah. But if it's a comedy or something comedic, you're like, Dep- again also depends on what the joke some jokes like you can laugh at forever because they're just so good yeah. but sometimes it's like okay yeah i've seen that now like right i don't know you just don't have the same kind of like authority if you do something exclusively comedy so you, whether you're a director whether you're an actor uh you know in terms of people who get like recognition in public comedy is seen as like lesser but it's just as skillful to do as a period drama piece
1: and I think it's relevant to our discussion of Nicolas Cage because yeah. a lot of his performances they they really bifurcate into the comedic on purpose, yeah. Like you know, dramatic what he's what what is framed in a dramatic story, and is hyper so over the top that it becomes clown esque. Yeah. But I, I think, in 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 a certain regard, it can be interpreted as. Nicholas Cage being interested in the knife edge that separates comedy and tragedy.
0: Yeah, I would say it's like a fine line.
1: It's a very fine line. You know. Like it some there's a reason why some things you know, like bad comedy is sad. Yeah. And then bad tragedy is funny. Yeah. You know, like there there really is that relationship between the two, and I think I think in a lot of ways there are we can list performances like you know vampires kiss for example which is like the meme <laughs> of um nicholas cage yeah nicholas cage performances there are parts of it that are hilarious and i think that I, I i think there's there's an argument to be made as to whether or not that was intentionally supposed to be funny and i think that's okay like i think i, I i'm not saying that that's a bad call but i i it, to sort of try to uh, bridge those two conversations together, I mm-hmm. think that is one of the hills that Nicholas Cage is trying to uh, explore, is trying to climb, is that kind of that that relationship between comedy and drama, and the disproportionate uh, value, I guess, although that might not be the or uh, you know the disproportionate, um, I don't know. Like just
0: how it's perceived. Yeah. Perception, perception of those yeah.
1: two of those two art forms. And he's just kind of likes to blend all that kind of stuff. Because he really has no rules. He really has no sometimes he ha- has no um overarching plan, you yeah. know, to his thing. He's just really trying to mix nitro and glycerin and see what he can get away with.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it happens. I don't know. Because it's like uh if you look at something like the wicker man, mm. right?
1: Another reboot, another remake,
0: another remake. Yeah, that's uh, like I've seen clips of it. I haven't seen the whole film, but it's something that's also over the top. It doesn't. That didn't hit. Like that doesn't work because no, it's just
1: that didn't work. I think a lot of... that movie is one of the one of the few movies that I would say is unwatchable yeah. to me personally. Yeah. Um, i I've seen the 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 original. British film which was very slow, didn't age well, especially not for a, mo- uh, a modern audience's palette for movie consumption. Yeah. It's very slow. It's very atmospheric, um, and uh, it, it, it really, it's long. Like, it dwells on a lot of stuff, a little bit too long. Yeah. And so if you're into that kind of stuff, if you're into that kind of slow burn that has some pretty decent performances throughout and some genuinely really creepy things, then you enjoy the movie. But then when you watch the remake, the remake is such a garbage fire where you're going, why was this made? What, what, was, what was the goal here? What was Nicolas Cage thinking when yeah. he made these choices? And it's just, it just hurts watching that movie. Like That's just one of those bad movies that's just bad. Like, the, it has highlights that mm. are so bad they're good. Like, him dressed in a bear costume punching <laughs> lesbians. Like, that's funny, I guess. It's so, ri- it's so, it's ridiculous. so ridiculous. you know? It's just
0: like that visual image. Right? Yeah.
1: Or or him, you know, being covered in bees. And then him t- talking about the said bees. I uh, think that's just uh, due to the process
0: of filmmaking there. Because yeah. Because I'm pretty sure those are CGI. Oh, hundred, well, yeah. Bees, right? So it's yeah, just yeah. kind of like. And I guess. Because I guess part of it also falls under the director, like, how much control they have over, like, their act. Because the director should kind of, like, be not necessarily controlling the performances. But, yeah, exactly. Guiding, right? The choice that actors, like, makes. Because sometimes people think, like, directors, like, tell the actor, like, okay, I mean, maybe some directors do that. Some directors do, yeah. Right? But, like generally at least my understanding good directors, good directors will from guide. from yeah from the classes i've taken in yeah. acting and stuff like that you'll make a choice as an actor so in terms of like your vocal performance how you deliver a line right if you say it really small or if you say it really loud if you're shouting right or the type of movements that you do right like those are all choices that you make as an actor and then sometimes the direct depending on the vision of the film the director has like those will be in alignment with their vision or not with their vision mm-hmm. right and they'll like tell you to d- take that again, but give you a no a direction, that's what they call a director, right? Mm-hmm. And guide you in a different path or to make a different choice. Yeah. And see where that goes. And so I g I this is part of the politics, I guess, of like filmmaking and stuff, because once you're like the big name, a big movie star, like someone like Nicolas Cage, but this could be anyone, it's not limited to Nicolas Cage, right? No. It's like sometimes you have clashes between directors. And uh, and uh, actors, yeah. In terms of like absolutely. what they're willing to do, how they want to
1: do their performance, absolutely. Or sometimes you have directors that don't care. There's like okay, exactly. Yeah, you're the actor.
0: Do That's something. right.
1: There are some act- There are some directors who are very happy to leave the acting up to the actors. There are some directors who are incapable of directing. They want to control like no no they're they're just, incapable just sorry incapa- like George Lucas. George Lucas is just one of those directors who notoriously is incapable of directing actors he yeah. just can't he doesn't understand what acting is Yeah, he's just like the. it's written in the script just do the script Yeah, and then Harrison Ford was like famously said like "What well, you can't <laughs> just do what's on the script like I need to I need to actually make a like play a person right now George yeah. you know um, and then other directors you know people like Mike Lee who's a British director or uh, you know to a certain extent or or uh, um A really famous, a bit of a tangent, but a really famous, a little uh, really because Christopher Nolan is such a famous seminal director now. And I recently watched an interview with Michael Jai White, who's an African American actor who I really think is cool. He's a martial artist, as an actor, he's the guy who played Spawn, for example. Oh, him? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. he was in The Dark Knight. Okay, and uh, he played. He had a relatively a small role as Gamble, who is one of the mob bosses in oh, Gotham. Oh, him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the guy who gets killed by the Joker, right? Yeah. And he showed up, and he was expecting, you know, this is Christopher Nolan. Like, this is, this is the, he's the guy with the big dick now, you know, in yeah. Hollywood. And he was expecting to, like, get that kind of, like, minutia direction, super precise direction. And... Or, or you know, that he would just be like a wealth of detail, and Michael Jai White would show up and be like, "So in this scene, you know, like, should I, should I be wearing this, or should I? How should we be talking to the Joker?" And then Christopher Nolan's like, "Oh, I didn't think about that. Good question. What would you do?"
0: <laughs> and yeah. then
1: Michael Jai White was like, "Wait, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, okay, yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll come up with something." Or famously, uh, Ben Kingsley talking about being directed by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, where. Or, or uh, so Martin Scorsese, you know, probably one of the you know best directors working today, as a lot of people would consider him best American directors anyway. And Ben Kingsley, when they worked together on Shutter Island, um, loved uh, Martin Scorsese's approach because he let the actors do their job. Is the way he saw it. Yeah. And so for an actor with the kind of clout and experiences, Ben Kingsley, who, or you know, who's not really going to be like to be told how to do his job, it works. And so Martin Scorsese, they do the scene, and then he would either give really minute notes, really small notes that weren't con- consequ- crucial or consequential, but that might lead to something interesting. Or he would simply address his actor with the question, do you want to do another one? Yeah. And then it was, yes, I'd like to do another one because I want to do this. then he'd be like, okay, cool, let's do it. Otherwise, he'd be like, no, I think we got it. And then that's it. Or Denis Villeneuve, who's French-Canadian, who directed Sicario, Prisoners, Blade Runner 2049, uh, who's going to direct the upcoming Dune. Him, it's like everything has to be exact. Very specific. Very specific. So Dave Bautista talks about it where it's like the way that he took off his glasses and set them down on the table was uh, heavily choreographed. And all that was very, very important. And so some actors react positively to that kind of direction. Some actors don't. Gary Oldman famously doesn't react well to minute directors, like uh, detail-oriented directors. Because he, Gary Oldman is an actor who can say, I'm Gary Oldman. I know what I'm doing more than you do. Yeah. Right? Um, and working with Luc Besson, because he's worked with Luc Besson at least twice, famously, you know, with The Professional and The Fifth Element. And... Luc Besson would tell him how to say lines, would tell him how to, you know, move, uh, tell him how to cock his head and how to use his mouth and, like, what kind of smiles he wanted and multiple, like, Gary Oldman would have to say, like, shut the fuck up and let me do my job, I right? Am. Like, I, you're not the actor here. I am. Yeah. And, uh, and that's all that is fair enough. I think, I don't think there's any, there's any, like, if you're, if most, most, most bad directors are assholes who just don't give a shit right they're just
0: they're yeah. there for the paycheck
1: yeah all
0: right so i think uh we'll leave it there for a time that's pretty good uh, look at uh, you know different acting styles different performances nicolas cage nicolas cage and what he brings to it cuz like we've mentioned briefly is different acting styles one of the things uh just in terms of like different approaches to performance one thing uh just like really quickly here at the end is like clown are you familiar with clown yeah definitely that's uh, weird as fuck, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very weird. Like, I can't, I don't know. I can't take it, like, for too long. Like, it's just so strange. Because, like, if you don't know what clown is, like, go look, a, look up on YouTube. It's basically, like, I see it as, like, big children. Yeah, Like, their approach is, like, a childlike wonder to, like, yeah, every interaction, every movement. Yeah,
1: there's an element of, there's definitely an element of that in clown. Yeah, yeah. so it's, but like. there's also a cruelty in clown, okay. which is super important. Because it's all about those important justice, justice positions and those important oppositions. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I, because one of my teachers, when I was in court, is someone who does clown. Yeah. And does like, a, like the clown festival thing yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, So I we had, we watched some stuff that centered on that, and yeah, I'm not so familiar with the cruelty part. I know more just like the
1: mm-hmm.
0: childlike yeah. wonder and all that stuff and approach to things where it's just kind of like strange. So like go like the reason why I bring this up for whoever's listening, like go look at different styles of like perform. If you're not familiar with acting, go look at different styles of like performance and see, I mean, you watch Nicholas Cage films because you get a different range, but also go look up different things like on YouTube and expose yourself to, to other, other methods of communicating because that's what acting is when you come down to it. Mm -hmm. It's a form of communication. And so different cultures around the world, uh, you know, present, Different that's, forms of entertainment. I acting, think that's right? probably
1: the most important part that we haven't talked about, yeah. which is it's so it you go to you go to different countries and you look at their forms of entertainment and you look at what they think is really good and yeah. what they think is really cool. Most often than not it's gonna be completely different, different to your perspective. Than here, yeah. Uh, and so that just goes like we are definitely speaking from a Western and more yeah. specifically North American yeah, yeah. style, which was heavily influenced. By very specific ideas Mm -hmm. and by very specific texts. Yeah.
0: So that's where we're going to end it there. Like just to broaden, like I said, because as you mentioned, as I mentioned, that like different places in the world have different approaches to their acting, whether it's live action, whether it's filmic or whether it's television, you know. So like you definitely want to expose yourself. Or maybe you don't, but you probably should. So you have an understanding of uh, what's out there. Yeah, exactly. Other uh, parts of the world.
1: Also what you like.
0: Yeah. You may you may find something else that's that, right. that interests you. And you may be like, whoa, I never thought about that. I didn't yeah. think of that approach. So, yes. Integration. <laughs> Exposing ourselves to different worldviews. But anyways, like I said, we'll leave it there. That minor tangent tacked on at the end. Because that's how we do it here. Uh, as always, I've been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as J-Pav, also known as Pavi, also known as Pav. And with me is other podcast person, Christian.
1: Thank you very much for having
0: me Oh, today. no, thank you, my dude. And then with me, for most of the time, Maggie the Mags, who is running our sound as we record this. And we appreciate her greatly for it. Yeah. And so with that, remember, as always, the opinions that we express today on uh, these different topics are our viewpoints. Naturally, you can agree with them, you can disagree with them. You know, go for it if if you want to disagree. Accept it though. Don't don't disagree. No I'm kidding. Disagree if you want. We're not saying that our viewpoints are correct necessarily. So if you have something else, go for it. I won't know about it, but you know, that's all. That's up to you. Think about it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. Till next
1: time, peace.